Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. Good morning, co-host and bestie. Mm. It's still morning. We have 50 more minutes of morning. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Back from my appointment that I had this morning. Yeah. Just FYI, friends, go in for your mole checks. Yeah. I had a full skin check. And it was <laughs> afterward, the doctor said, you want a picture? Like, I have these two spots that yeah, I need, need to get removed. Yeah. And uh, I said, sure. So he showed it to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I had no idea. Because it was my backside. And I don't normally see my backside. Right. And with no clothes on. I was like, I had no idea. My ba- I had back fat. <laughs> That's like try- trying on a bathing suit in a three-way mirror. Oh, that's what it's like. I know it is. You see the back and then you just can't ever go back. You can't I just sketch that out of your I, head. Yeah, but this was even more, this was different than that even. Well, Whatever. motivation for, you know, uh, healthy habits. Again. Hang in there, friends. Yeah. We're going to get to our topic. And the topic today is uh, episode number 140. Mm-hmm. And the topic is League of Denial, the NFL's concussion crisis. crisis. Yeah, I feel very passionate about this one. Yeah. This episode. I I agree with you. We came up with this a long time ago because Concussion Awareness Day is coming up next Friday. So I guess it's like every year, the second Friday of September is Concussion Awareness Day. And that's a good time to have it because that's when everything's starting up in full for in full swing with the football. Right. In all sports, yep. you know, youth uh, school yep. sports and things like that. Right. So we uh, stumbled upon this documentary called League of Denial the NFL's concussion crisis. Mm. And that piqued our interest. And we, so we watched it. And uh, so we're going to discuss that today. That's one of the takeaways that we have is we're just going to talk about how bad is the problem of concussion in football? How bad is it? We're going to talk about that. And then also we want to just touch on high school youth football and how like how does it affect them as well as um, give a little bit of advice from our own experience as moms. You know, if you're a mom listening and you have a young one who is playing um, youth sports. You know, I call it bobblehead football because they look <laughs> like little bobbleheads out there. Yeah, they do, actually. They do. And they're cute and all that, you know. But you want to be aware of these things yep. and, and make an informed decision for your child. So we have a little bit of advice. And then, of course, our call to action is to do that. Educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself on brain health so that you can make your choices accordingly. And stay tuned all the way to the end because we have a little scripture to encourage you with. And so, Catherine, tell me, what say you about League of Denial? Yeah, well, it was definitely an eye-opener for me. And also, it it invoked a lot of emotion. Uh, It's so sad the way uh, these players, um, after they had retired, or in some cases, even before they retired, how their lives had changed, their personality changed their thinking changed, that the, their um, entire demeanor would change in these cases, and their families fell apart, their lives fell apart, all because of uh, some, you know, brain issues that they had, and which we learned is called CTE, and that's chronic traumatic um, encephalopathy. Right. I think I said it right. right. And so that was... Um, 
And, you know, and then and to, to describe this whole entire issue about this concussion thing, it, it's like offensive and defen- defensive, you know, sides, just like how football is. And then I would also say that this entire subject uh, for the people who are advocating for um, more protection and players' rights in terms of getting their disability uh, payments and, and things like that, the way these people and the researchers have to move against the NFL, which is a you know multi-billion-dollar entity and organization, it is also like football. Like they have to go head on with these people, and they have to keep pushing that line. And um, when we first started watching the documentary, I, I kind of was thinking, well, they chose to be in football, yeah. and they know they're going to get hurt. Yeah, and. Uh, why there's also other issues they may have underlying so why should what's the argument here why should the football organization be paying well now I have a better picture right now I understand also I'm coming from an era where this had this was already out by the time my kids were well actually no I didn't know a lot about it but Around the time that my son was in uh, high school football, there was a thing called um, getting your kids a concussion baseline. So basically seeing where their baseline is in terms of their their brain, and then if they get hit and get a concussion, then uh, they can compare it to that. Right. Is that like a scan, like a brain scan of some sort? Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think we had that done for Pat. He already had... A concussion. He graduated in 2014, and I think this is around 2013. Okay, that we got that. I think, if I remember right. So, it, it, as you said, there are pros and cons. You know, to every argument, to every topic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two sides to every pancake. Mm-hmm. And I too kind of felt like, well, you know, it's obvious to to a casual observer that this is potentially a health threatening sport it's violent it is violent and like some ex-players pointed out was that yeah you know you're gonna get hurt you're gonna get you know your knees your maybe your shoulder and other body parts but what they didn't know is dementia right because essentially the the damage to the brain that they were getting is dementia and and it's not in the the other argument is that not every player um displays these kinds of characteristics of having brain damage so and that's their argument but and, and we'll get into that further but the people that died and their brains were autopsied and looked at by neuropathologists they um the very first one, this Dr. Oma, mm-hmm. o- Omaha, something, I'm not saying the it right. The Nigerian doctor? The Nigerian doctor. Yeah. He's the one that named the CTE. And he's the one that when he got um, Mike, what was it? Webster. Right. Mike the, Webster. From the, the Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. This man died at 50. And okay, so we also, Kenny and I watched the movie Concussion with Will Smith and Alec Baldwin and some other big name actors and it was so graphic and I have to say it was just like the documentary except they can't put everything in there they did not have the woman Dr. Um, McKay I think Mm -hmm. was her name McKee Mm -hmm. 
they 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 didn't have her but uh oh my goodness the the graphics that I can't get it out of my head of Mike um Webster was just shocking really so anyway Mike Webster the Pittsburgh Steeler that really this is what catapulted this entire thing in the first place was because he died and because this Nigerian doctor was on call um that weekend he got the he, he was the one that looked at the brain and when he looked at his body he expected to see a brain like an Alzheimer's brain because of the condition of his body. And when if he wasn't told that this man was 50, he would he said that he thought he would have been 70. Yeah. Anyway, he was shocked to see that his brain was normal. So then as we're watching the documentary, you and I am thinking, how can it be normal? You know, right. When we when know that it wasn't. Well, that's why this is different than Alzheimer's or regular dementia because of the way the tau in the brain is displaced. And so um, he noticed that the, the brain was actually very bad after he had to take slides. So like literally Slice thin the brain. slices of the brain. And that's what makes it different because the NFL constantly kept saying uh, that... Well, you don't you don't know this and co- constantly discredited this man, even though th- this um, doctor was also um, he had sent this off to some world renowned experts in the field and they agreed with him. Mm-hmm. But the NFL for decades, uh, they just dismissed him. And they also later dismissed this other woman who also she loves, loves, loves. First of all, she loves football. Right, she grew up she in a grew football up, family, as they say. Yep. And second, she loves looking at brains. And she, too, was a neuropathologist mm-hmm. and also a medical examiner and just could look at brains all day long. And her specialty was Alzheimer's. <laughs> when, when we watched the documentary and she said, yeah, when I really want to relax, I just look at brains. Yeah, she did. <laughs> like, oh, she's a special kind of nut. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, just a little bit of background about Mike Webster, just in case the listening audience is not familiar with him. Yeah. He played the position of center. Right. And that's kind of like your um, Brian Urlacher position, mm-hmm. if you're in the Chicago area, which many of our listeners are. Hello, shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, Jim McMahon. It's the, the guy in the center of the offensive line who whose job it is is to become a human wall. Yeah. To protect... The quarterback. Right. In right? fact, they were called the Iron Curtain or right. something like that. Right. So this guy, like Mike Webster, he actually grew up on a potato farm, like in Wisconsin or somewhere like that. And he didn't even enter into um, organized football until he was a junior in high school, which was unusual mm-hmm. even back then. And it's it's been reported that the reason for that is because he had responsibilities on the farm. But as farmers do right and he was also abused uh, physically by his alcoholic father this was also reported now you know to what degree was that i don't know so he could have had damage to the head well he could have had a lot of different issues as a result of his youth Mm -hmm. you know in terms of abusive expectations or behaviors or whatever okay so then he he goes to he becomes a a high school football player and he's a standout first of all he's gigantic Mm -hmm. he's literally 
huge. Yeah. Super tall, super muscular, super strong. You know, you're 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 um hauling hundred pound packs of potatoes around <laughs> your your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. So then he goes to college and he's a standout there. And then he gets in the NFL and he's in the NFL for seventeen years. Mm-hmm. And he's taking blows to his body every day for decades and making blows too yeah yeah with his head his head is his weapon and they sort of um one of the researchers sort of uh, gave you a visual of imagine getting into a head-on car collision every day several times a day maybe thousand times a year Mm mm-hmm that's what these men are going through. And their brains are this soft mm. matter inside of a little shell, your skull. And every time it's hit, even though the helmet is there to help only protect the cracking of the skull, but it cannot absorb the force of, of, of whatever they call that, you know, the G-force. The inertia. The mm-hmm. G-force, mm-hmm. yeah. So that means that your noodle inside of your skull is jiggling. Yeah, in the movie Concussion, yeah. they showed uh th- they showed a like a ball of of jello basically in yeah. a bottle of water. And so you that's what your brain is surrounded by water and then and then the skull. And it showed when it is hit what that brain does. And when you see the graphic like that, it's a whole nother level in in my opinion, well, at least for me anyway. And to watch it in the bottle of water, just bouncing yeah. back and forth. Now, I'm going to say this now because we're going to talk about youth later, but I'm going to say it now because I'm, I'm afraid I'll forget. An adult brain is bigger, so it takes up more space. So it do, it's not going to move around as much. But a child's brain um, has a lot more of that water around it and a lot more area to bounce around like that. So it's it's much more dangerous for yeah. a child and it makes me think of shaken baby syndrome yeah a lot of us have heard of this yes. shaken baby syndrome and it's because you know it's an infant brain it's yes. an infant human uh okay so the other thing about mike webster is after he retired okay he did have a lot of other health issues mm-hmm. he had admitted taking steroids mm-hmm. back in the day because they were legal and they could take them yeah so there was that he had steroidal issues he had broken all kinds of things in his body Ugh. so he needed painkillers mm-hmm. so he had that he suffered from uh, type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. and he ate a lot of junk food and a ton of sugar so his body was literally destroyed right. by all of these things right and oh my gosh too he would he had uh, severe cracks in his feet yeah and he would duct tape them together so that they would stay together he was losing his teeth and he would super glue them into his mouth he also um uh you know i just want to for a moment just talk about his at when his brain was going one thing that really made me so sad was that he had said that to his son I sometimes when I'm cold, I don't even know that I can fix it by putting a jacket on. Yeah. And that is so sad. And his son said, his son said one of the saddest things that his father had said to him was that somebody said to, to Mike, uh, oh, you're Mike um, Webster. And he says, well, I used to be. Yeah. And that's so sad. And it's about, tragic. yeah, about the, his body condition, it, 
many believe that his that condition was because of the brain damage because he just you know had was letting himself go right i believe that just witnessing in my own life um like like just with my mom it's not the same thing i don't think but she has alzheimer's and she kind of had let herself go too at but we didn't know what the heck was going on and that's what's so sad about this whole thing is the relationships of these uh players and the fact that they um their relationships were infected uh, affected in such a way that their lives were torn apart their broken marriages because they didn't know what it was and these people were not the same as what they used to be and they became violent they became irritated confused uh highly agitated and um those were the characteristics in all of them Yeah. And you know, when you have a brain issue, as you well know, being the daughter of someone who has Alzheimer's, when your loved one has something going on that you can't see, nobody knows. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then you just sort of chalk it up to, well, they're being a jerk. Yeah. Right. And that, but then when you realize why they're doing what they're doing and they really cannot control it. Yes. It brings a whole different awareness for yourself. Like maybe you can't fix it, but you can at least have more compassion right. and understanding. And that's huge. It is huge because it's uh, it's a reason because, you know, you know that term, what is your problem yeah. or uh, things like that? Well, they don't know. And looking back, I, I, I mean, my, my parents did go through some really rough stuff. And yeah. um, but when you see someone who is still functioning in society, uh, you don't think of them as losing their marbles or losing their mind. And so therefore, you, you don't know. And all of these wives of these players said, had I known this had we been aware of this, we maybe we could have stayed together. Maybe we could have done such and such. And Mike Adamley, he was an, uh, a football player and then an NBC um, sports caster. Mm-hmm. And he was diagnosed with that. And, of course, the question is, well, how do you know for sure? Because you can't see it um, until the, the, you're deceased. And they look at it through all the stuff that they look they have to cut up the brain so obviously you can't do that when somebody's alive right but he has all of the signs and symptoms looks like a duck walks like a duck it is right right thing so anyway he and his wife had split up but then when they started learning about what his issues were and on top of that um, when they separated he um i can't remember all the reasons why but he had gone to his ex-wife and he said i I just can I just live with you guys and he needed help yeah and anyway they reunited and now they call themselves a pair like she doesn't like the term caregiver because it makes it sound like she like she's a step above or or whatever Um, those are her words but rather they're in this together and so there are ways to cope with it that's that's my whole point of bringing this up is that no there's no cure but there are ways you can live and ways in which you can take care of yourself and use these coping mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really sad when they uh, showed the actual body of Mike Webster and they showed his feet and yeah. they showed his legs oh. and and um, was just so. really sad to see what he had gone through. 
yeah. So, and, and, go ahead. Sorry. And, and also, he would tase himself with a taser to go to sleep. And I think ultimately that's when he died. At least that's how it's portrayed in the movie. And the movie seemed to go pretty well with the documentary. Yeah. But yeah, he tased himself to get to sleep. At the point of his death, this man had been reduced to absolute poverty. He lost all of his money. Yeah. And he was living like in his in car. His truck. Or, yeah. And he died in a Walmart parking lot. Yeah. And he had lost everything. Yeah. He really had lost everything. Um and it's just it's just really sad. And had the doctor who examined his brain, because he died of a heart attack. So he did not die from the brain injury mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. But it could be indirectly because he was out of his mind. Well, and, and that's how it is with Alzheimer's. Right. They say you don't die from that directly. Re- directly. Right. But it's those other things. And and so this, um, thank God for this doctor from Nigeria mm-hmm. who said, you know what, let's look at his brain. He wanted to get permission to look at his brain so that he could examine it and see if he had, you know, Other issues going on. And he insisted on it. Had he not said, we're going to do this because he had opposition. And I now, according to the movie, I don't know because they didn't say this in the documentary. He paid for all of that himself. Out of his own pocket. By the way, his name is Dr. Bennett Amalu. Amalu, yes. Just to give you a reference. And we also learned that Dr. Amalu is a Christian man. Yep. And he stated his Christian faith. And he said, when I examined Mike Webster, I prayed that somehow this creature of God, this creation of God would show me the way. Because that's really what a body does for medical examiners is Mm -hmm. it gives them a clue of what happened here. Yeah. And he really prayed that God would show him through this body, you know, what happened Mm -hmm. and how can we prevent it from happening to someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he broke down in an interview that I watched. He was being interviewed by a CNN reporter and yeah. yeah. And Brett Favre was also on this interview. Brett Favre from the famed, you know, Wisconsin uh, Green Green Bay Bay Packers Packers team. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows him. Right. And Brett Favre um, has come out to say, he used to say that he maybe had, two or three concussions in his whole career but now he believes he's had maybe perhaps thousands yeah. of concussions and he is seeing uh mental decline in his own life and he's afraid of what the future holds for him so he was a part of this discussion well um dr amalu got emotional yes. when he was listening to brett Favre, who was just a larger than life athlete yeah stellar yep and Brett Favre saying he's afraid of what the future holds for him. And Dr. Amalu said that these men are created in the image of God. Right. And they have value. And the truth needs to come out. Right. And that was a really strong point. Um, the movie really focused a lot on Dr. Amalu. Yeah. I keep saying it wrong. But... Um, and he, that was stressed in the movie. Tell the truth. Yeah. Just that's all you have to do is tell the truth. These lives matter. Yeah. And he had nothing to gain nothing by telling the truth. He no. was a scientist who said, this is what the science says. And even in his own scientific community, because he wrote a paper mm-hmm. and published it mm-hmm. about his findings. And other doctors who represented the NFL tried to get him to retract his 
written, published medical research paper. That's right. And let's talk a That's little a bit deal. about the NFL. Oh, it okay. is a big deal. Yeah, let's talk about because, it. Because first of all, when the when uh, it came out about Webster and Webster before he died, mm-hmm. he said I he went to the NFL and he got a lawyer and he wanted some um, disability payments, which of course they denied. And in the in the end, before he died, they did award him um, some disability payments. And in their statement at that time, now this is like in 94, 96, something like that. Well, it was buried. Well, these two journalist brothers, they're investigative reporters is what they are. They are the ones that that um, uncovered this. Mm-hmm. And so, but then ever since then, the NFL denied, that's why it's called League of Denial, because for decades, more than two decades, they denied that. They um, eventually were pushed up against a wall to form a committee and the committee was consisted of well, the, one of the doctors was a rheumatologist. Right, he, he had nothing no, to do with the brain. Yes, and um, the rest of them were, um, I guess, some you know, uh, the team's doctors. Yeah, that's like going or, to your dentist and saying, "Do my open heart surgery." Exactly right. Yeah, still a doctor. Oh my gosh, it makes me so mad because oh, and then. When they again, they're they're just constantly being um, exp- exposed. Ooh, what's happening? Do you hear that? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't either. Okay, I hope that this is working. Anyway, after some um, more pushback, the the NFL holds this meeting, and the Dr. Om Omo. Omo. Are you talking Omo? about the Nigerian doctor? Yes. Amalu. Amalu. I mm-hmm. don't know why I can't get that. Amalu. 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 Yes. He is denied access. He's the one that discovered this. Right. He's all of this, but um, all these doctors over the country are invited to, the, and players invited to this meeting. Oh, actually, no, that's not the one with the players. But anyway, he's denied. Later on, when the female doctor, Dr. McKee, mm-hmm. I think Anne McKee, Anne McKee mm-hmm. uh, another, they have another meeting, this is years later, and she's denied access. And she was a very integral part, uh, very instrumental in um, getting to the bottom of this issue with the CTE. She's not invited. That's sickening. And then another time, there was a wife of a player who was suffering from uh, the CTE. And all these players were invited to this meeting. Um, Again, it's about the, the CTE issue. And she wants to be a part of the meeting because her husband is in such a bad state that he can't speak for himself. He literally can't speak. He, he can't. She right. Ha- she would have to represent him. Right. And they uh, denied her access. And there's pictures of her, you know, standing outside of the door and just trying to get win. But it just goes to show the power um, of and, and any organization that's that big is going to be big and powerful, influential, and just kind of like a monster. And, and um, in some court case, they compared it to the cigarette business. Right. 
Big tobacco. With big tobacco, exactly. So uh, it's just, oh, it's so frustrating. And then, Did you, you know, know that they had similar lawyers? So some of the lawyers that worked on big tobacco consulted with the lawyers for the NFL. Yes, I did. And they, yeah. they um, basically used the same playbook. Mm -hmm. Deny, 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 deny. Right. That's what they did. What's infuriating is how they... I mean, they basically accused Dr. Amalu of, uh, like, voodoo practice yeah. because in, that's prejudice. It has to be because well, he's from... It's insulting that, at any level. Oh, at any level, And yes. on top of it, yes, because yeah. he happens to be black and from Nigeria. Right. And they say that he's a voodoo doctor now because, they, because he doesn't present what they want. Right. In the movie, it really... <clears throat> I know it, it portrays how much he, yeah, how he, he when he was a boy, how much he wanted to be an American, mm -hmm. and his vision of America was, you know, like here's heaven, and the next thing below heaven is America, the United States of America, the land of opportunity where dreams come true, and then he gets here, you know, and he's in, now he's entangled in political football science uh, scientist mess. And, you know, a little disillusioned, but at the same time. But in the end, now he works for Washington, D.C., um, and he's their medical examiner. So good for him. Yeah, good for him. And I'm sorry that he had to go through all of this because he's just trying to help people uh, to show the truth of what he has learned. Right. Now, you can do what you want with this information, mm -hmm. but... What you don't do with it is poo-poo it and say it doesn't exist or stick your head in the sand. Exactly. You know, just like with yeah. Big Tobacco, when they came out with the filters and they said, oh, these filters, this low-tar cigarette filter, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You're not going to die because you got this now. Yeah. Right? right? And they went from, you know, our commercialized society, we can shine up any kind of a thing. I know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It just aggravates me. So back in the 50s, right, you had doctors that were smoking and saying, this is a great way to lose weight. All you do is smoke. Yeah. And then you're going to lose weight. Okay. Yeah. And then you change it over to now we have the Surgeon General has a warning on every pack of cigarettes and women who are pregnant hopefully do not smoke. My mother smoked while she was pregnant with me. I was going to compare it to that yeah. back then, that when you don't know, you keep doing the same things right. over and over Right. And that was one of them. Yeah, women, um, they didn't know better. They didn't know that you... You look at it now and you think, how can you not know that? Well, that's because now you have what you have, which is the knowledge yeah. of, yes, this is not only detrimental to your health, but it's detrimental to that baby that you're carrying. Right. And this Dr. Amalu, he was uh, in a meeting with another scientist, and the scientist said, do you realize what you're doing here? Mm -hmm. What impact your truth is going to have on this culture? Oh, I love, yeah. And Dr. Amalu like, said, well, I think I do. I think I know, but why don't you tell me? Yeah. And this other scientist says, if only 10% of the mothers in the United States of America really absorb this truth, it'll be the end of football. Right. The end of it. 10% only. Yeah. yeah. That was very, very telling. It is. Mm -hmm. So the big question is, why uh, why should football, the NFL in particular, be held liable? Why should, what's the big argument in this case? It is because they're covering it up. They know that there's a link. And, and um, 
it isn't just about having to pay, you know, their disability and things like that. It's because that very reason, because it'll be the end of a billion dollar, you know, entity. And um, that's devastating to, to them. Well, absolutely so, it is. Mm -hmm. They just have a bunch, they surround themselves with a bunch of yes men who will say yes to anything because their um, paycheck depends on it. Right? Mm -hmm. And even within the league, right, maybe there are players who, we, we saw this in the research that we did, there were players that said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I can play. And that's the yeah. culture that they bring these kids up through. Oh, is, yeah. I remember when my brother was playing football, this was back in the 80s, mm -hmm. he played in high school. We didn't have youth football back then in my town. They may have had it in other towns, but in my town you started playing football when you were a freshman in high school. We oh, didn't really? even have junior high football. No, we're a small town. Wow. So we didn't have, you know, youth uh, football or junior high football. We had high school. Mm -hmm. And my brother started playing as a freshman in high school. And I remember him getting, you know, injured, hurt, whatever, and the coach saying, you play through the hurts. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If it hurts, you play. I would... I it, right. I witnessed it with, you know, my own son. Yeah. And um, he has been, he had played football from kindergarten all the way through high school. And that was always the mantra, get him! You know, don't be afraid! Uh, all those things run through my mind. And I, I, I never, I don't like football anyway. So, and I hate seeing people get hurt. I hate seeing head-on things because all I see is, you know, your spine being damaged. Right. And um, I didn't know about the brain being um, like like in a bottle of, you know, like a ball in a bottle of water or whatever. I, I didn't know any of that. And had I known that, I really asked myself, what, would I have really pushed to have him not be in that? Would I? Because Kenny, you know, he's an all-American football player himself, wrestler. He was really coached. Yeah. Um, and... Would I have gone against that? Yes, absolutely I would have. It's, it's hard to know now because we're in this season where our kids are grown and out, right? Mm -hmm. Because there may be a mom listening now who their kid is into it. And now it's the love of the game. It's a big part of family life. And they may even be doing travel ball or whatever. It would be hard to pull the plug on that. Very mom. hard. Yeah. I think that it's worthwhile when we get to the call to action, we'll just encourage you with that, you know, obviously to equip yourself with knowledge. But I think it's a worthwhile discussion to have and to be aware of what to look for. If you see your kid playing a game and you're sitting there on the bleachers and you see him can't get up, wobbles, stumbles to get up, he's been hit, Right? Yeah. Even if it didn't look like a big hit, or even if his head just hit the ground. Mm -hmm. Because this is one of the things that Brett Favre talked about. Mm -hmm. And and he said in his conversation, he would never encourage youth to, to join any kind of a football game. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Ever. The question was, um, or at least one of the questions was, well, what would what what could be changed to protect these people? And he said, just don't play. Right. Because there is nothing that you can really do. Yeah to protect them from that kind of an injury under this type of a game. Yeah, because you don't necessarily have to have a concussion, but just the banging around of the of the brain, of the head. Meaning 
you okay a concussion from the old uh, standard or definition of it like you see stars the lights go out you're unconscious for a certain period of time or whatever it is right so there's that mm -hmm. but then there's the as you just said the banging around of the brain and I think they call it some kind of sub concussion or something there's some term for it I forgot the name of it but it's just getting your bell rung that's exactly what they called it right. yeah getting your bell rung yeah. and uh, there's not a football player out there that has not had his bell rung. Right. There just isn't. I know. Okay, so if you're a mom and you're sitting in the stands and you're watching your kid and he just got hit and you you know your kid, if you think he's seeing sideways, you get your butt off those bleachers and you get on that field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you drag your kid off the field. Yeah. 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 And it it is tough, like you said, when you're in the thick of it. Or you, you as a female, you may like football yourself. Well, and of course. It, it's, you know, it is a family thing. That's that's why they have that, the, the what do they call that? In the, the um, Friday Night Lights? No, not just that. During the Super Bowl, the big show in the middle. Oh, the halftime show? Halftime show, yeah. It's a big thing. It's, um, well, anything that's earning billions of dollars. It's a huge part of our culture. It is. And to go against that is, it's not easy to and, do. And when you're the mother, you know, aren't we always the bad guy? Oh. You know, this is bad for you. This is bad for you. This is bad you're for you. You're overprotective. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. But, I mean, I really think that it's still worth uh, educating ourselves about and look at these guys that went through this. Do you want that for your kid? I don't know. No, and, you know, Every parent, I'm sure, loves their child. They want to see them succeed. The best thing that you want the best for your kids. So some, you know, some say, well, I want them to experience sports. I was in sports. Yeah, there are and, a lot of positive things about it. Yes. That, that's exactly right. Um, but with that love also comes protecting. And, I, you know, I was going to, I want to say this too. If you're upset because your kid is on the bench in a contact sport, just remember, it is not rejection. It's protection. That's right. <laughs> Be glad oh, your kid right. is on the bench. Yeah. It, it's tough. You know, I watched a little bit about two athletes. They were high school athletes in the South. I think they were in Arkansas. And they had collapsed within the same week of one another uh, for heat exhaustion. Mm. And this was during practice. Mm -hmm. And these were high school teams. Mm -hmm. And they were both really good athletes, but they were... they. They collapsed, and they actually had heat stroke, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. And one of the young men, he was rushed into, uh, like, he was unconscious on the field. Mm -hmm. And he was rushed into the locker room. They put him in the shower. They got cold water on him, and they threw ice on him right away. Well, they had an athletic trainer who was medically trained to uh, react oh. immediately. Mm -hmm. Saved his life. He could have died. Wow. The other kid did die. Oh, no. And he died... And who knows what else was going on? I don't mm -hmm. know. But he died. They called 911 right away. Mm -hmm. But the coach was interviewed, and he said it was maybe 15 minutes from the time that he went down, and they made the call mm -hmm. until the ambulance got there. Mm -hmm. And he was a, he was a, alive, but he died. He succumbed to his injuries because the body was 108 temp degrees temperature oh my gosh. when they got him to the hospital, mm -hmm. and the damage had been done to his organs. Oh, my. You, you know what I was just thinking about well, as you're talking, and youth, and, and um, we saw in the documentary an 18-year-old boy who uh, he had by his fourth concussion, he died. He was only 18. And when Dr. McKee mm -hmm. got a look at his brain, uh, she could not believe the damage. And he was only 18 years old. And she, at the time, had an 18-year-old son as well, or kid. 
But um, but anyway, all that to say, what I was just thinking about was uh, Lynn, Lynn Schumann's son. How he didn't he get hit in the head with a baseball? I don't know. I, I'm not I'm sure. I'm pretty sure, and he I believe that's how he died. I know. Oh, he, I know. He had a concussion. He passed away. I don't know how though. I'm pretty certain that so he got hit in the head, and he was fine. He went to bed. And they never woke up, I believe, and that was from a concussion. Well, I do know that sports, obviously, it carries a certain level of risk. There's a, there's risk in anything in life. and But I'm pointing this out because, like I just said, as a mother, right, and you, you're going to pull the plug on your kids' hopes and dreams by telling them no. They mm-hmm. can't do what now they're, they're in love with. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that – I'm not in that position. I was not in that position as a mother. But what you can do – you can educate yourself on concussion. You can educate yourself on heat stroke. You can educate your child on all of that. And right. and they do say that in youth sports, we're kind of transitioning into youth yeah. sports, but we can bounce back to the documentary as well. But they do say that in youth sports, it's really dependent upon who's on the sideline. It's dependent upon the coaching staff because they don't have as many regulations as they do like in the college level. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in the National Football League, they have the money to have medical trainers there and so forth. Which Yeah, you know. and now with the special helmets, with the extra... They've, they've had padding, but they didn't have what... I, I From what I understand, there's a special kind of padding now to help stop that bouncing around, but it's still not going to fully protect you, you know. And as as far as the youth goes, the recreational football, those are just dads out there. Yeah. Or volunteers. Yeah. They are not at all any kind of Well, metal. some of the experts that, that I came across suggested that you do not put a kid in a football helmet and gear until they're at least 14. Yeah. That the human brain needs to, to grow. Mm-hmm. It, the, you cannot put Oof. kids in that kind of a position yeah. at that age. And I do think that there's a psychological aspect to it as well. When you start these kids out as bobbleheads, they're three and four and five years old, right? Mm -hmm. And they're out there. They do fall in love with it. Why? Because the whole family's involved. They're getting a whole bunch of attaboys, you know. And then you even think about the um, social structure of a high school. Mm-hmm. The football players yep. are on the float, and they're in their gear, and they're all celebrated and cheering and all of this, and they have the cheerleaders and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But you know what? When they're in the uh, youth program, when they're at recreational football, yeah. yeah, they grow to love it, and some, most of them, maybe some of them, but most of them, and I've seen this for myself, they're scared to death. Yeah. And the, the, the dads, the coaches, are constantly like, come on, you know, they are the ones that are kind of reliving their lives. It's just my, you know. <laughs> and those kids are scared yeah. because they're being told they're hurt. And yeah. they are hurt. And they're told to um, you know, make the blow. And I forget all the, the terms, but to tackle and to do those head-on things. In fact, it was pointed out with the NFL, their logo is two helmets crashing yeah. against yeah. one another. Yeah, it's it's that's what I mean by it's a culture. It's like an ingraining. It's an ingraining of belief um, from childhood that this is not only, not only is it okay to do this, to inflict, this type of violence on someone else, mm-hmm. but it's celebrated. Yeah, it's very not, much it's so. It's not just allowed or 
okay. It's absolutely celebrated and you're you're the hero. Oh, for sure. You're the most valuable player. Yep. The you. VIP. Yeah, and you know how they put those stickers? Or they put those stickers on their head if they have so many uh, you see it a lot in college ball. They have like every tackle that you've had, you get a certain sticker. Uh, you mm. know, you get just a whole lot of recognition. Praise. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to turn that around. So yeah. now we've talked about the NFL mm -hmm. and their billions of dollars and how that's an entity all of, of itself. It's like a small country. Yeah. Right? Then we've talked about youth mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, infiltration. The um, It's almost like a cult-like yeah. indoctrination. Yeah. Indoctrination, that's a good word. Yeah. Okay. So what about safety then for for these young kids? I mean, what do you think you would do? I know we just talked about it a little bit, but what, what advice would you have for moms who are listening and they have their kid in football? I would absolutely say, first of all, um, educate them, educate yourself first, and then your kids. Make it a family decision, not just and stand up. If you really feel strongly about um, your child being harmed and having a future case of dementia when they're really still very young, uh, make it a family decision. Also, I would also say really look into that baseline um, study thing. If your child is in any context uh, sport, get um, their baseline. And then if they happen to get a blow, even if they fell off a bike yeah. or any other way that you can get a concussion, um, get that baseline thing done. I regret to having not done that because our Patrick, he had two concussions. One was pretty bad. And so that's uh, it's very disconcerting to me. Yeah. Also, I just want to say this too. When my mom was being, when she went to see, well, I took her to see a, um, a psychiatrist or psychologist. I was going to mix up for her diagnosis. And the, the doctor asked her about whether or not she ever had a concussion as a child. Right. Specifically as a child. And um, my mom started going into the story. And I had heard it before. She had told me several times. This time that she fell off this wall, I mean, smacked her head. And she went into, um, I think they went to go see a movie a little sometime later after that. And she vomited. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, she's telling the doctor this. And I, I, I was trying to to shush her, mm -hmm. you know, because I was a little embarrassed. Like, oh, mom, you don't need to, you don't need to tell her all that. And the doctor said, no, 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 I want to hear this. We believe there's a link between uh, young people having concussions and this disease. Yeah. And so I am convinced that um, even though there may be other variables as to these people who who are diagnosed with CTE, the bottom line is that. They didn't have protection in these contact sports. They were, you know, it was like, it's like a car wreck. And the G-force that, I forget all the, the numbers and yeah. statistics and all of that about, um, but answer your question about what would we do, you know, what would I do for protection? I, no, I wouldn't have them play for one thing. I like the way that you said make it a family decision. And even if you do decide to go forward, you know, even if your decision as a family is we're willing to take the risk, mm -hmm. then maybe create some sort of parameters around, okay, we're willing to take the risk. However, if you, our beloved son, if you get one concussion, you're done. 
Yeah. Or if you get two concussions, you're done. Or whatever. You know? Yeah. And, and there's also a certain level of, there's concussion protocol in terms of how long you should rest after a concussion and what you should do. So, I mean, I, I really don't know what it would play out like at that, you know, conversation with mom, dad, and athlete. Because here's an athlete now who this is his everything. Yeah. Like the one I told you about where the kid passed out and they covered him in ice and they saved his life. They yeah. Inter- they interviewed him after he recovered. He was in the ICU for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then when he recovered and he was about to go home, he went down the hall and visited the kid who was a ba- basically a vegetable mm-hmm. before he died. Mm-hmm. He went to that kid's funeral. Oh, wow. And the reporter asked him, knowing what you know now, I mean, how do you feel about your future in football? He said, it's my everything. He yeah. said, it's my everything. It's what I love to do. And I get and, it. And you know what he said? He said, you know, if I have to risk a little bit of brain damage down the road, oh. then that's the, cho- that's the choice I'm making. But here's the problem, my friends. That's a 17-year-old boy. Yeah, that's right. He's Who's- not fully developed. His they say that brain a, is not bright. They say a male's brain, in, uh, in particular, a male's brain, isn't fully developed until he's 23. Yeah, mid-20s. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law used to call it the tunnel. Mm-hmm. She, she would say to me, yeah, they're going into the tunnel. Yeah. They'll come out when they're mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Great. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I would also say, yeah. look at these interviews of these NFL players. Look at look at Jim McMahon. Is that his name? Yeah. Jim, yeah, am but, I saying it right? Yeah, you are. From the Bears. Look, look at Mike Ditka. Yeah. Talk about a career where he was one of the most forceful in terms of hits and yeah. plays, and he was the coach of the Bears and some other team, too. Um, very well known, not just in the Chicago area. He is an absolute advocate that the NFL needs to fess up, own up, and pay up, own up to their responsibilities for these guys. And he's a huge advocate for, for, um, you know, exposure and getting the the payments out. Stuck coach. Stuck coach. (laughs) He's stuck coach. Yeah. And right. Look at, look at, um, there's the interview with Brett Favre. Yeah. And look at, um, I don't know if there's an interview, but there is information on Troy Aiken. Troy, Troy Aikman. Aikman. Yeah. Uh, and what happened to him when he had his last concussion and he's taken to the hospital with his agent and his agent's sitting with him and um, over and over, Troy says, where am I? And then they go through this whole spiel where they are and he asks like ten, five, ten minutes later, same question. Anyway, um, no. That was the end That's, of his career then. Yeah. Troy Aikman. He and never he, went back on the field after that. Yeah. And his agent was the one who the movie Jerry Maguire was inspired mm-hmm. by. Right. Well, my friends, this is a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Catherine and I were kind of amazed by it once we started digging in. And our heartstrings were pulled yeah. for the, these individuals who have really suffered. And I think it hits at home. Oh so closely for you because you're living every single day with your mother with Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. No. And I would say to these moms and dads as well, if you are thinking about rethinking your position in regards to not just football, but any contact sport, um, spend a day with somebody with Alzheimer's or if you have a loved one who has suffered through it, you know. That's right. How tough it is. You would not wish it on anyone. That's right. Uh, 
you know, just the behavioral differences alone are hard enough, but the stuff that comes later is even harder. Yeah. So it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. When you think about relationships torn apart, that's one of the most heartbreaking things, I yeah. think. Um, one of the most. It's awful. It is. You know, a couple things that I wanted to mention but I forgot to mention was racism and sexism that was oh, yeah. exposed yep. through this NFL thing. Right. If you dig in there far enough, you will see that there was definitely sexism against this Anne McKee. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she's had to deal with it for her whole career anyway mm-hmm. as a female researcher, scientist, physician, all of that. Uh, but it was definitely evident when she went up against the NFL that they were poo-pooing her because she was female. Interrupting her. Oh, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. And then the other thing about racism, uh, you know, the NFL is filled with about 70% of black athletes, Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They used a different standard for the black athletes than they did for the white athletes. Did they? Ter- yes. So, so the NFL lost, or, or let's say this, they didn't lose, they settled. Oh, right. They settled. Mm-hmm. There was a class action lawsuit. There was like 4,000 or something um, players that got a bunch of lawyers together, and they sued mm-hmm. the NFL yep. for a big bunch of money. Yep. Well, they settled on like $760 million. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a chunk of change. But oh, guess yeah. what? It's not much compared to the b- 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 billions of dollars that right. the NFL makes. Okay. Right. So, so then the NFL said, all right, here's your pile of money. Now, for you to get it, you have to qualify for it. And for you to qualify for it, you have to take this series of tests in order to prove that you are messed up because of the NFL, Mm -hmm. that your brain is damaged, Mm -hmm. okay? Well, black athletes had a different standard. I did not know that. Yes! Why? They, I don't know, they justified it somehow by saying that they had a lower capacity for intelligence or something like that. It was what? obviously racist. Yes, it was terrible. Oh, my. And this is after, this has got to be at least 2013, yes, not that 15. Long ago. Oh, my gosh. Hello. And so now the lawyer, the lawyer who set this up for this class action lawsuit, right, he gets his money. He gets paid. I'm shocked. Yeah. And now he's they're they're trying to like the wives of these players are trying to get this lawyer kicked off of this case because he's got his own butt, you know, like on the line. And it's gonna throw more money into his pocket. Mm. But they are looking into adjusting that so that they it's have fair. to. Yeah, duh. But think about it. I, I am I my head hurts. I know. The thing of it is, you have this entity, right, with all this power and all this money. Mm-hmm. And and who's feeding the entity? If you don't have these athletes, you have nothing. That's right. You think people are going to pay right. all of this money to sit around and watch you idiots push pencils around paper all day long? No. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you get these lawyers involved, and they're vultures. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah, hello. Oh, my God. That's shocking. I know. Did not know that. I'm blown away. You know what? Here's the problem. Sin, people. That's, That's right. That's the problem. Oh, my gosh. For we- and greed, yeah, which is greed. sin. Right. You know, Money. oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's That's terrible. It is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's not very funny. Why do we even call this the laugh anyway podcast? I sometimes wonder that. <laughs> we pick topics that are like, mm. yeah. Well, they get us stirred up, and we think that other minds you know, get stirred up too. What? I think we're kind of like investigative 
reporters ourselves, <laughs> only somebody else already did the work. We just kind of piggyback. And we and throw our opinions in there. That's right. But I, I'm amazed. I never would have known some of the things that we have learned throughout our, what, two years of doing right. this. Right. And this was way more, I hate to say it, interesting or thought-provoking than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I, I wanted to do this. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, I think we should, I think we should do this. But it's much more impactful on me, I guess, than what I would have imagined. So I'm kind of grateful for all of the, all of the episodes we've done where we've had to research things. Yeah. Because I'm kind of learning a lot. I don't know if I'll retain it all, but. Yeah, but you know, sometimes it's better not to know things. Oh, I know. Ignorance is is sometimes bliss. But not in this case, folks. Not in this case. You must know this. True that. Whoever would sign up for losing their marbles? (laughs) Not me. No. Do you remember, real quick, and then I know we got to go. Catherine and I, by the way, are heading out to South Carolina. Gosh, I can't wait. I know. We're going to a gig. I have a gig out there in North Augusta, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it's actually on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But we're leaving today on Tuesday because we're stretching it out. <laughs> I know the doctor. You know how they always ask you, what are your plans for the rest of the, oh, the day? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> It was some, that's okay. I got all into it. It was something about about what we were talking about. <laughs> Good. We've got some laughter. Who cares what it was about? We got some laughter in. <laughs> oh, protect your noodles, everybody. <laughs> You're good. Have you ever had a concussion? No. I don't think I have either. I have not. No, I've never hit my head. No. Thank God. Ron has, though. Ron had two. Yeah. Ron had two. Once, he he was doing a wheelie on his bike Mm -hmm. back in the, I don't know, 70s or early 80s. Mm -hmm. So he was just a little kid, and he was up, and he's riding his wheelie, and the bike went over, and his head hit the cement. Cement. You said that like you were from the South. That's how my cousin Christy says it. I'm going to South Carolina so I can get ready for cement. (laughs) And uh, so he was out for a minute there. And then the second time that Ron got a concussion, I was with him. Yeah. And we had been skiing. And he had been doing all the black diamonds. And we were in Colorado at Breckenridge. And he had been doing all the dangerous stuff. And he did great. Yeah. Well, then we were sitting in the hot tub. I was on all the bunny hills and the yeah. baby ones right. out there because I'm not no Thrill seeker. Oh, gosh, no. So we're, we're done. And we're sitting in the hot tub. And he and his buddies, we were with a big group. Yeah. And we had three kids at the time. Yeah. He and his buddies got out of the hot tub. Mm. And they went over to the snow that was there because it's an outdoor hot tub. And they were doing snow angels in the snow. Mm-hmm. Well, he slipped on the ice of the sidewalk, mm. cracked his head on the sidewalk. You can oh, hear it. No. I heard it. Ooh. And then he got up and he was just like, oh, man, that hurt. And he was okay. Well, then he did it a second time. And slipped a second time. No, I don't think I knew that part. Yeah. Well, he had cowboy boots on at one point. I think he slipped the first time with his cowboy boots on and down he went. And then the second time was getting out of the pool or something. But anyway, he did it twice. And then I, the girls and I had gotten out of the hot tub to go get ready for dinner. This was our last night in Colorado and we were all going to go for this nice dinner. Well, we're getting ready and the guys come up to where we were staying and they're like, oh, something's wrong with Ron. He forgot where he was. He how many kids he had? Yeah, he didn't know how many kids he had. 
Oh, like it's so stinking scary. Yeah, so that was tough. Yeah, were you done? Well, I was just gonna say that you know we had to take him to the hospital. He had to have a CAT scan. He had a brain bleed, and they did diagnose him with a concussion. You know, they come in and they give you like the. I'm going to give you four things to remember and whatever they say. Yeah. And they come back. And if you can't remember them, you're still messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And it took him a while. When we got home, he's a heavy equipment operator. He couldn't remember. He was, like, unsure of himself. Oh, my Like, God. how do I do this thing that I've done my whole life? It That is that scares me. It's I, I can't. Oh, you know Kenny had. Uh, so he used to, when we were dating, uh, he used to be a drywall deliverer. And... He was outside of Oprah Winfrey's place in Chicago, mm-hmm. and she was getting some work done. Mm-hmm. And he was standing below the the crane that lifts up the the drywall, and the boom or something. Have I mean, we're talking very, very, very heavy. It fell on his head. Oh my I gosh. don't. I don't know if he had a helmet on or not, but. Um, I remember getting a call, and I don't know if it was from him, but he was taken to the hospital because he had a serious head injury and concussion. It wasn't split open or anything, but he had a concussion. And, you know, now I think, oh, no, gosh, please, 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 I hope nothing happens in the future. But not just, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But scary. It is. The brain is a precious very precious organ. God put it at the top of your body. It's protected with a skull like no other part of your body. Your heart is not even uh, covered the way your brain is. And yet the brain is still so, so tender. Yeah, be careful with your brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's share a little scripture. First mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I say that yeah. to say this. Do the best you can to preserve yourself. <laughs> do, do, do the best you can. Yeah. I mean, accidents not, happen. You don't intend for bad things to happen, but do the best you can. Yeah, we're not saying live in a bubble. No. Uh, but... Yes, do what you can. Yes. Absolutely. And then uh, we already said the call to action, educate yourself in all aspects of brain health and make choices accordingly. Yes. And in the future, we are going to do an Alzheimer's episode. We are. I just need to get prepared for that. Yeah, we will bring it to you. Uh, we did not mention our sponsors at the beginning. I know, I was going to say that to you, but I thought, no, let's just go. Well, I forgot. So I just want to say thank you to all of you who are sponsoring this podcast with a $5 a month contribution. We appreciate you. We are saving up that money for, to invest in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had thought about going to PodFest. We're kind of on the fence there. We're really thinking about equipment and, and, and also bringing this show on video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Captain doesn't want to, but I do. Don't. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. I'm still Catherine. See you Goodbye. next time.